This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Hey everybody, welcome to the Wednesday night service. We're going to have an awesome time tonight. We're going to be on part nine here in just a few minutes of our end time series. And we're going to be looking at some of the things we need to do to be prepared for Jesus coming because we have seen so clearly that he is coming. I want to give a great big shout out though to everybody that came to our Sunday morning drive-in service this past week. It was an epic time that I will never forget for the rest of my life. It was awesome. This whole place, was, we just had so many great people, distance, socially distanced apart from each other, but we were together and we were worshiping. We were singing our praises out in the middle of the desert. We were speaking words of faith over Barstow. We had a glorious time and we're going to do it all over again this coming Sunday morning, nine o'clock. It's Memorial Day weekend, and I, I appreciate that, and I'm going to celebrate that the right way with my family, but I am going to be here at church at 9 o'clock, and we are going to do it all over again and watch the presence of God and revival come right down here in the city of Barstow because we're stepping out in faith, and we're doing this for Jesus. Amen. Come on. Let's get into some praise and worship tonight. Stand up wherever you're at and let's worship together.
Let's go ahead and get into the Word of God tonight. 
I'm really excited. This is part nine of our end time series, and it is incredible to look back and think that it's been nine weeks since we started uh, studying this. And, and I believe we started about a week after the whole quarantine began. And there's a lot that's happened in our world in the past nine weeks to see uh, the changes and the updates and, and the events that have unfolded. It's been absolutely crazy to see that our kids have grown so much. I mean, it's been a wild ride. And uh, last week we got a really good look at what heaven is gonna be like. The New Jerusalem and and I was so excited to see that that really stirred a lot of you guys up to realize how magnificent and how wonderful heaven is going to be and that is the absolute truth it's the best thing ever and this week uh, we're going to just kind of wrap things up a little bit with a little bit further teaching uh, because one thing I realize is it's it's one thing to understand that Hey, the rapture is going to happen someday. Jesus is going to come back. Uh, for some people, man, that's all it takes. They're up and at it and ready to go. And then for a lot of people, uh, they don't know what they're supposed to do until then. They're like, well, he's going to come back someday. But what am I supposed to be doing right now? And we're going to look at some of that this week. And as far as these things we've studied, these prophecies being fulfilled, Jesus coming back, heaven, hell, Armageddon, all these things. I'm telling you, there's an old saying kind of in the survival world, and it's this. It's not a matter of if, but when. I'm not saying the rapture could happen if. I'm saying when the rapture happens, because it is going to happen. Whether you agree with it or whether I agree with it, that doesn't matter. God already said it's going to happen, and that's what's going to happen. You know, I remember as a kid growing up in the Midwest in Indiana, we would get actual snowstorms. And that's not something I worry much about here in the desert, but still, growing up, we had snowstorms, and usually you had some advance warning that it was going to happen. And I remember, you know, going to the store and getting stocked up on all the items you needed and making sure you had everything it was going to take in case you were in your house for several days. And then uh, you'd make sure you chopped enough firewood so you were ready to go there so you didn't freeze. And what I'm saying is, you made preparations way before the storm ever even actually arrived. And that's what we're trying to do with you right now, is to tell you, be prepared. Jesus said, you don't know the day, you don't know the hour, but I'm telling you, like I tell everybody, be ready. Don't be asleep when he gets here. How many times have we seen on the news, you know, the, especially the southern states of the U.S. here, uh, the hurricane area where people... Get, Hurricane comes and completely demolishes an entire area, and a lot of people weren't prepared. Now, sometimes, a lot of the time, most of the time, I'd like to think that people know it's coming, they take it serious, they prepare, they, they get out if they're supposed to get out, they, they do all the things you're supposed to do. But then sometimes you'll see somebody just totally devastated crying, they've lost everything, or maybe lost loved ones, whatever the case is, and they're being interviewed, and they say, well, we, we didn't take it serious. You know, we've heard this so many times that the big one's coming, and we just decided, you know, that, hey, we've heard it, we're, we're tired of hearing about it, we're just going to, we're just going to stay here and not do anything at all. And sadly, there's a price to pay for that, because they weren't prepared. 
And there's a lot of people that hear this teaching about the rapture, that hear this end times teaching, and they say, I've been hearing that my whole life. I've been hearing that since I was a kid that Jesus is coming and and I'm tired of hearing about that. Tell me something I don't know. And they don't take it serious. They are not prepared. And then that day will approach. It will happen as a thief in the night. And you're going to say, where did that come from? I didn't see that coming at all. But if we do like Jesus said, we will be prepared. A verse I want to show you here is in Luke 17. So, of course, we've learned this so far. This is part of the Olivet Discourse. This is one of the parallel chapters to Matthew 24, the famous one. But Luke 17, verses 26 and 27, Jesus himself says, When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. Verse 27, in those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. And that's a sad thing to think about. That's not something that we take any great pleasure in reading. But as I read that, the question comes up, what was the world like in Noah's day? And so we're going to look at that. Let's go ahead and I'm going to say a, a prayer over the word here and then we're going to dig into some stuff. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus name, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to study our Bibles, to read the word of God together. And I pray that as we open it up tonight, you will speak to us. You will show us things. Lord, if we need nudge, nudge us. If we need pushed out of our recliner, push us out, God, so we will wake up and take this thing serious, Lord, and we'll be ready when you return. In Jesus' name, amen. So, number one, what was the world like in Noah's day? Because it's one thing to tell everybody, well, it's going to be like it was in Noah's day. Well, if you don't know what it was like in Noah's day, that doesn't do you a whole lot of good. So, the first thing here is this. What was the world like in Noah's day? No doubt about it. It was a wicked. It was wicked. And we're going to look at Genesis chapter 6. And these aren't my words. These are the words of Scripture. It says that it was wicked and it says that it was evil. So Genesis chapter 6. And we're going to look here starting at verses 5 and 6. We're going to see some interesting stuff tonight. But Genesis 6 verse 5, it says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So there it says that he observed the wickedness. And everything they were thinking and doing and saying was evil. Uh, Verse 6, so the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. I mean, what a sad thing that you can break God's heart and make him remorseful that he ever even put us here. That's awful to think about. But these people, they weren't just occasionally bad. It says everything they did was consistently and totally evil. Their thoughts. The things they said, what a bad, bad description of what it was like. So, what was some of the wickedness that was going on? Well, one major thing that was going on was sexual sin. Lots of sexual sin. And I'm going to read a few verses here that are like, that's in the Bible? That sounds weird. But let's look at this. We're going to look at the previous couple of verses from what we just read. So, Genesis 6, starting at verse 1. It says, then the people began to multiply on the earth and daughters were born to them. Then the sons of God saw the beautiful women and took any they wanted as their wives. 
Who are the sons of God? Well, we're going to find out. Then the Lord said, my spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time, for they are only mortal flesh. In the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. And I'm telling you, you're not going to find a whole lot of people that live longer than 120 years. God said that right here. Verse four, in those days and for some time after, giant Nephilites lived on the earth. For whenever the sons of God had intercourse with women, they gave birth to children who became the heroes and famous warriors of ancient times. What in the world did I just read? What was that? It said the sons of God came down and had intercourse with women and they 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 reproduced this race called Nephilites who were giants and warriors. And I didn't make a mistake. That's exactly what I just read. And so what 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 is this sexual perverseness we're talking about? The sons of God here are really fallen angels or demons, those that left heaven and joined up with Lucifer, that's demons. And this says the sons of God did this. Now, there's other places in Scripture, specifically the book of Job, that refers to fallen angels or demons as the sons of God. And these these evil spirits, these these demons, uh, they they were so wicked, which we know that the devil is, that he reproduced with these women back then and gave birth to what they called the Nephilites. These were giants and bad dudes, warriors. You know, think of someone like Goliath who was out there taunting and laughing and mocking God. But he's so, so huge and, and so strong and so, I mean, almost like a hybrid human being. And that's basically what we're talking about. And again, as I've said throughout this whole series, this isn't sci-fi stuff. This isn't out of a movie. This is the Bible. And uh, th that's a perverse way for the world to be when you've got stuff like this going on. So what was it like in those days? It was wicked. It was full of this bizarre, nasty sexual sin. Another thing that it mentions here is violence. The world was a very violent place in Noah's day. Genesis 6, right where we're already at, verse 11 says, Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. I mean, that's a big thing to say, that it was filled with violence, that everyone was corrupt. And as we find out later, everybody but Noah but everybody else in the world, they were corrupt. There was violence. And Jesus said, the world is going to be like it was in Noah's day. Well, undeniably, there's tons of sexual perversion all around us, which now we're told that we have to call it normal or else we're the weird ones. But according to the Bible, no, it's wrong and it's perversion. And it doesn't catch us off guard because Jesus said, hey, it's going to be like it was in Noah's day. And then all the same chapter we just read that in Luke 17, it tells us that it's going to be like it was in the days of Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's so obvious right now as well. So Jesus gave us warning, but beyond the sexual perversion, he also told us there's going to be this violence and this corruptness. And you can tell the world is a very violent place, especially in some areas more than others right now. We can turn on our local 
Los Angeles news any night of the week here and see the, 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 the murders, the, the armed robberies, the rape, the gang violence and wars. And I'm like, man, Jesus, you are right. There's some bad, violent stuff going on. And of course, there's always been violence. There's always been perversion, but it's on a magnified scale, just like it was in the days of Noah. Another uh, aspect that I believe Jesus warned us about in reference to the world being as it was in the days of Noah is the amount of scoffers and unbelievers. And, and we're talking about just people that are that are antagonistic towards the gospel. There's there's plenty of people that are like, well, I don't believe that. That's not for me. But they don't want to come and, you know, destroy you because you do believe. But then there's a whole other group of society, a whole other segment that not only they don't believe, but they don't think that you should have the right to believe either. So they want to come and, and tear you down and rip you to shreds because of your beliefs. And that is what it was like in the days of Noah. So Hebrews chapter 11, it talks to us a little bit here about uh, the world in the days of Noah. So Hebrews 11, and we're going to look here at verse 7, and Hebrews 11 is, of course, the Faith Hall of Fame. I mean, if your name is, is in this chapter, dude, you did some great stuff for God. So Noah's right here, Hebrews 11, and I'm going to read this one in the Living Bible. It says, Noah was another who trusted God. When he heard God's warning about the future, Noah believed him even though there was no sign of a flood. Think about that. He heard the warning and he just obeyed, even though there was no real sign of a flood happening at the moment. And wasting no time, he built the ark and saved his family. Now look at this next part. Noah's belief in God was in direct contrast to the sin and disbelief of the rest of the world, which refused to obey. And because of his faith, he became one of those whom God has accepted. And so Noah's lifestyle, Noah's belief, Noah's behavior was in direct contrast to the disbelief and the hatred of the world around him. He was the exact opposite of everybody else. And I can imagine him building this ark. And, uh, you know, if you look at it and study it out, I, a lot of people say it took him 120 years. It didn't take him 120 years. The scripture doesn't say that. But very reasonably, it, it took him about 75 years to build this thing. And can you imagine building this boat for all these years, hammering away another, you know, square peg with your, uh, with your wood mallet, just hammering this boat together. And after a while, You've been telling people for 75 years it's going to rain and they're showing up and saying, you've been saying that for 70 years, 75 years. Come on, get a grip. You're crazy. You're insane, old man. And people are probably all over him and, and, and really giving him and his family a hard time. But did that stop him? Did he say, you know what? You guys are right. I just I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, just let me just walk away from this whole thing. No. And a lot of us, we've been telling people our whole lives, we don't know when, but it's going to happen. Jesus is going to come back and pull us out of here, and then the world is going to be in really bad shape. And a lot of people are saying, you've been saying that for 10 years, 15 years, 30 years now, and it hasn't happened. And you know what? It hasn't happened yet, but I'm not quitting. It is going to happen just like it eventually happened with Noah. And I'm going to read the Message Bible's definition of Noah's day. One thing that I'll point out is uh, 
you need to expect a little persecution because Second Timothy 3.12 says, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. The only way as a Christian that you aren't getting a little flack for your beliefs, the only way that you don't take a little bit of heat for your faith is if you aren't living godly. Because Second Timothy 3.12 says, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And so if you're thinking, oh, that's funny, no one's ever given me a hard time. Well, look in the mirror. Maybe you aren't living that godly. Maybe you aren't living that different from them and they don't see any difference between you and them. But if you're a godly Christian, you're going to take a little heat for your beliefs. But we don't quit. We just keep going with it. And so the Message Bible, I kind of like the way it worded it about how the world was in Noah's day. Genesis 6, 11 and 12, Message Bible says, as far as God was concerned, the earth had become a sewer. And I look around and I'm like, man, there's places in this world that I'm like, this, this is just a septic tank, man. It's a sewer. It's disgusting. There was violence everywhere. God took one look and saw how bad it was. Everyone corrupt and corrupting. Life itself corrupt to the core. God said to Noah, it's all over. It's the end of the human race. The violence is everywhere. I'm making a clean sweep. Build yourself an ark. And so God told Noah, man, it's bad and I'm getting ready to do something about it. But you, you're good with me. You, you build yourself an ark and you get ready because it's coming. And that's what we're told today. And in, in, in essence, get on the ark, build yourself an ark, get your family ready, get the kids ready, get mama ready, get ready because the floods come in. Build yourself an ark and you, as we're prepared for Jesus to return, you better have that ark ready. Well, what's what's my ark? That ark is you being surrounded by the walls of God's salvation, like Isaiah talked about. That ark is is you and your family serving the Lord, like Joshua 24 says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's the ark. Not everybody else is going to get on the ark. We know that. But as for me and my house, we're living there, man. And when the flood comes, we're going to be ready. So that brings me to this. How are you preparing? Number two, how are you preparing? Because according to Genesis chapter seven, God shut the door of the ark right behind, right behind Noah. Genesis seven sixteen says that when the time came, the Lord God shut the door behind them. And we hear phrases all the time. Well, you know, God opens a door and God closes the door. Well, listen here, man. When God shuts the door to the ark, it ain't opening again. It is shut for good. And that's what happened here. That door slammed shut. And if you were on the outside, too late. You could have been banging on the door. It is not opening. It's over with. And and so I'm asking, how are you preparing your life? Well, if you don't serve Jesus, if you don't walk with him at all, then we've got some work to do there because you're totally not ready. But speaking to the Christians right now, the true born again Christians, how are you preparing? I'm asking, are you using the gifts and the talents that God trusted you with? Because you may you have talents, whether you realize it or not, you have gifts from God. Everybody's got a different gift. Some people may be speaking and preaching other people in something else. But overall, God placed something on the inside of you that we need. He put it there. We need it. Just like he put different minerals and, and natural resources in the earth that we've needed and tapped into as a civilization. There are great things on the inside of you that God wants to use 
to help spread the gospel and get people onto the ark. And if you're not using them, then you're not very prepared for the ark. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells this story about this boss that was going on a trip. And so he gives three of his employees or three of his servants uh, different amounts of money to invest for him while he's gone. To guy number one, he gives him five bags of silver. And so it's like, man, that's that's pretty cool. But the, the stipulation was you've got to do something with it. To guy number two, he gives him two bags of silver. And finally, guy number three gets one bag of silver. And he says, you invest this and I'll, when I get back, we'll we'll line things up. And so he leaves. He's on his trip for however long. And he comes back. And here's what happens. Matthew 25, verse 19. It says, after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. Well, it was his in the first place. He was just letting them use it. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I earned five more. Man, that's good. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I'm going to give you even more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So the, the next guy comes up. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a, you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. So you're thinking, well, the master's probably going to say, at least you didn't lose it. I mean, you kept it safe at least, but that's not what the master was looking for. What happens here? The master replied, verse 26, you wicked, lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant, give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. And it is sad to see God put a gift in somebody and they just do nothing at all with it. I mean, that, that is a sad thing because, like I said, he put a gift in every single one of us. And a few verses before all this, in the first part of the story, Matthew 25, it says he distributed the, 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 the bags of silver to each guy in proportion to their abilities. So it, it would have been unfair if, if the guy that got one bag, he wasn't capable of handling five, but, but the master gave him five and said, no, you're responsible. That wouldn't have been fair. But he gave him a gift. He gave him, uh, 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 he trusted him with something on his level that he was able to handle. And for all of us, if God didn't call you to have a ministry that reaches 50 million people like Billy Graham, he's not going to judge you when you don't reach 50 million people. 
But if he did give you a gift and a calling to serve in the nursery at church or to to go and tell somebody about Jesus or to raise godly kids or whatever it is that he's asked you and is trusting you to do. And he has put the gift in there. You've got to dig down for it like gold. You've got to dig a little bit, but he's put it all there. You will be judged upon that whether you did anything. And this guy right here is like, well, I didn't at least I didn't lose it. I just hid it in the ground and buried it, and, and here it is again. That's not what he's asking you to do. He's asking you before he returns to be obedient with the two bags he gave you, with the one bag he gave you, with the five bags he gave you, and turn it into something really good when he returns. That's what he's asking us to do. And so let's just break it down. Are you telling others about your faith? You know, Peter said, we've got to always be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have within us. In this dark time, in this negative, pessimistic world we live in, you and the hope that you have should be standing out right now like a light bulb in the middle of the dark. And people should be asking you, man, what, what's with you? Why, why are you like that? Why aren't you all? Why aren't you sad? Well, I'll tell you why. I'll give you a reason for the hope that I have. That's what we're called to do. You know, Jesus told us in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so there's people that you're called to reach that I can't reach. There's people that I'm going to reach that you can't reach. But God has this all set up and he's got a gift and a call within you to help us reach the world with the gospel, to reach Barstow and Newberry and the whole high desert with the gospel and bring them into the ark before the flood comes. You know, one guy that's a really great friend of mine and high desert word center is Brian Besser. I love Brian and, and, uh, and you can't go anywhere without Brian with, without, without him preaching to somebody. I mean, it's like you, a, a mom tells her kids, I can't take you anywhere. Well, well, that's Brian. I love him. And I, Anytime that we go somewhere, man, I took him to my kid's soccer game last fall time when he was here. And, and I'm walking up, uh, going to the car, and I'm like, where'd Brian go? I look back there. He's laying hands on some old lady in a wheelchair. Like, Brian, this is awesome. <laughs> but that's what he does. We were at a coffee shop in Minnesota one morning getting some drinks and uh, some coffee. And, and we're outside and, uh, and just drinking coffee and chilling out. And, and uh, there's a young girl in there that was the only person working at the time, I think. And she's like, can I come hang out with you guys? And we said, yeah, sure. Why not? Man, next thing I know, Brian's preaching to her. She's in tears and he's praying over her. It's a, it's incredible, but we've got to always be ready. You know, some people are hearing these stories thinking, I wish God would use me like that. He will use you if you'll be willing. If you'll take care of the one bag he gave you of silver and do something with that first, then he'll start using you in two bags and in three bags and then and even bigger things. But you've got to be faithful with what you have, because notice Jesus, he doesn't play off of a socialistic system, you know, like so many people want America to be right now. He doesn't say, well, you know what, even though you didn't do anything with your one bag, it's not fair that I gave this guy five bags and then gave him five more because of his hard work and, and diligence. But that's not fair. So let's take Five or six of his, I give them to the guy with one bag. No, it, the kingdom doesn't work that way. If you don't use what you've got, Jesus will find somebody else to get his work done. That's an incredible thing to think about. 
And I know how real that is, that if I don't do what he told me to do here in Barstow, that doesn't mean that, well, he just gives up on 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 that, this particular thing he told me to do. He'll just have to find somebody else that will do it. And I don't want Jesus to have to say, you know what, I can't trust that guy. Let me find somebody else. I want him to say to me, like he did that servant with the five bags of silver, well done, good and faithful servant. You did what I asked you to do. Now I'm going to trust you with even more stuff. And there's this last group of people here that are watching or listening. And uh, you're in the group that, well, I don't, maybe, of course you don't know what your calling is or anything like that. Because you've never even surrendered your life to Jesus. Or maybe you did at one point and you just took off running. You ran away. And we saw on Sunday night that Jesus said, man, I would leave the 99 other sheep that didn't run away to chase down the one that did. And maybe you're that one lost sheep. And we know we see the clouds coming in for a storm. We see the flood coming and you're out there lost running around. This is your time to Run back to Jesus. Run back to the ark and be prepared for when this thing happens. And I want to pray with you tonight. I want you to, to maybe take a minute, man, if God's speaking to your heart, don't ignore that. You will never have a better opportunity than you have right now. Some people say, well, I'll make a decision tomorrow. Well, Joshua told the people of Israel, no, choose today who you will serve. And you don't know if tomorrow's going to come. So many people, they keep putting it off and putting it off. But I'm telling you right now, no. Choose today. You're going to serve God or you're not going to serve God. You're going to go in the rapture or you're not going to go in the rapture. You're going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. But you have to make a choice. So many people don't want to make a choice. They don't want to choose where they're going to eat at. They don't want to choose, you know, what they believe or this or that. There's some things it's okay with. Who cares if you eat at, at Del Taco or, or wherever? That's, you know, that's not, that doesn't really matter that much. But this is something that you do have to make a choice on. And if you don't choose, you've made your choice. By not choosing to receive Jesus, by not choosing to make a decision, you've made your decision, and your decision is no. And that's an awful thing to think about, that some people, Jesus is going to come, and they're not going to go. And they're like, well, I never straight up said no, but you never said yes either. Well, I, I know I, I was with you, God, then I ran away and, and, and I meant to come back. The door shut. When God shuts it, that's it. The flood's coming. And so I want to pray with you tonight, man, sister, brother, whoever you are. And, and I want you to really mean it and give your life to Jesus and, and quit running off. Quit, quit being that way. Stay with him. Reach out to us and we'll help you. Say this with me. Father, in Jesus' name. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe he died and he rose again. I believe he's coming back. Jesus, forgive me for anything wrong I've done. I promise to live for you now. In Jesus' name, amen. And man, that's the best thing you've ever done if you meant it. Reach out, message us, do whatever you got to do to get a hold of us, and we will help you make it the rest of the way.
All right, guys, let's do our Wednesday night tithes and offerings. And we are so thankful to you guys for your faithfulness. And that's the verse I'm going to share in a minute. But there, the, if you're looking for a way to give, it's all on the screen right there, hdwc.org slash giving. There's a phone number to text or even through mail or whatnot. But isn't it awesome uh, that we, through all of the stuff we've been through, uh, have seen so many people stick faithful to God, man. I love it. I love faithful people, someone you can count on, and that's what we've got here at this church. Second Chronicles 31 and verse 12, and it says this to us, this is when Hezekiah was the king of Judah, and it's a, he was a great king, an awesome king, but Isaiah, excuse me, Second Chronicles 31 verse 12, the people faithfully brought all the tithes and gifts to the temple, and that is what I'm saying about you guys. Through it all, you have faithfully brought the tithes and the gifts to the temple, to the church, to, to God, and he has blessed you for it. And because of it, we've been able to just keep on rolling right through and, and not be held back by finances at all. And the glory to God is there. But we also thank you guys. Amen. I want to say our financial faith confession tonight. And speak some words of faith. Remember, these are not just words. It's not just what we do. It's faith that we're speaking over our money. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. And i got to say that on Sunday, last Sunday at our first drive-in service, Getting to speak the Barstow Faith Confession together was awesome. Man, you guys brought the passion. It was so powerful. We spoke these words together, and we're going to keep on doing it. But let's speak some faith over the city that we live in, the city that we love, Barstow. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, guys, Sunday morning, nine o'clock. I know it's Memorial Day weekend and all that stuff, but I am so excited to be together at the property again. So come on out, man. It'll, you will not regret it. Nine o'clock Sunday morning, nine o'clock to ten o'clock drive in service. We are going to have a home run time like we did last week. And I want to see you there. We love you. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.